I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, and welcome to Thank You, Saturn with me, Fern Angel Beattie. Thank You, Saturn is a fortnightly podcast on the lesser discussed topic of the quarter-life crisis. Saturn is the teacher planet, taking on average 30 years to orbit planet Earth. By the time it arrives back to the position it was in when we were born, we are expected to have learned important lessons from the first quarter of our life and be on our intended path. If we are not, this age can be difficult, as Saturn forces us to confront our fears, uprooting our lives in a myriad of ways to push us in the right direction. This is not punishment, but tough love. So if we heed its warnings, once it's off on its galactic trajectory once more, we can finally say, thank you, Saturn. I'll take a look at our guests' birth charts to see whereabouts their Saturn is placed and compare the predictions of this placement to our guests' reality. Today's guest, who I'm very excited about, is the gorgeous Topher Taylor. Topher is a sex educator and a toy consultant working for the leading adult industry in the UK, Clone Zone. He's also a writer and an industry columnist for ETO and has been featured in Cosmopolitan UK, Marie Claire and Net Doctor, to name but a few. Topher hosts his own podcast, Sex with Topher, interviewing other experts in the industry. And most recently, his mini doc for Channel 4's Love in Lockdown has wrapped up over... 4 million views, not without what seems to be unavoidable eye-rolling controversy. Thank you for having me, I'm excited. I love that intro. I want that every time I walk into a room, I want that. If you like it, it's good, cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm good just like, you know, going through life. I'm just, you know, as you know, like the dealing with documentary feedback, I, I kind of got into it yesterday because my mum got angry about comments, so she was jumping <laughs> so yeah I was gonna say yeah. what have you been up to other than infuriating boomers simply by being comfortable in your own sexuality I know god forbid uh, god forbid I enjoy my body and do it responsibly <laughs> but um just like like obviously lockdown has changed my life completely because I was very like I work I'm a very social person yeah like ext- extremely and I've got lots of friends who aren't all necessarily friends of each other so yeah. I'm always in different parts of like London, like for different nights out, like gay nights, mostly straight nights. I just miss like people and I haven't been around people. And I, obviously I'm not sleeping around as much as I used to. Yeah, yeah. it makes it so, harder yeah. to have your own bubble as well, doesn't it? If you've got friends who aren't friends with everyone. Exactly. And I, I don't want to like, because I, I live with my best friend, Bonita, and she's got asthma. And I don't want to like, you know, oh, yeah. put her at risk. So until we really understand what's going on with this thing, I've just been living like a, fucking none excuse my language <laughs> so that <actually laughs> ties on to well, the the mini doc that you did was it's called love in lockdown and you were basically just saying that you've been having cyber sex up to three to, up to five times a week because what else is there to do if you're yeah and um the comments you've had 
are ridiculous. Um, yeah. My, <laughs> I say favourite, but the, the worst one was the guy who was basically saying, you're misleading people's ideas of America and Europe. And then he's in your inbox saying, love you. I don't want to chat to you. I just want to like fuck your ass and stuff like that. It's like, pick a side. Well, this is exactly like, I mean, this sounds like such a cliche, but I really do believe it every single homophobe that I've really targeted and interacted with and actually given them a bit of a time of a reaction, I'm telling you from just my experience, it might not be the same for everyone. Every single one of them has tried to fuck me. Really? Yeah, because when I don't like things, I just don't watch them. When I don't, you know, I don't like mushrooms, I don't eat food and mushrooms in it. You know, I'm not a fan of Lady Gaga, so I don't listen to Lady Gaga. Do you know I mean, it's just like a, if you're putting yourself in that situation where you want to watch and observe someone, I'm sorry, I don't believe that a little bit of you isn't intrigued. Yeah, of course. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I mean, I'm sorry that you've like internalised your shit, but that's not, I'm, I'm not your therapist. I'm also not your sex toy, so fuck off. <laughs> so what do they expect to get by like cussing you in public? Do you think they think you're going to reply to the message? Like, yeah, sure, come round. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like a, it's like dick swinging, isn't it? It's like, especially if someone is like in the closet, mm. what's the first thing they're going to want to do is speak out against gays. Yeah. Because I'm an old bitch now, excuse my language, and I hate that word. I need to stop saying that word. Um, <laughs> like, it's not my first time at the rodeo. Like, I, I, I know people's behavioural patterns, especially closeted men. So there's no point coming for me because I'll eat you alive. Like, I'm yeah. smart. I really and learned I, that about you. You just out, like, every, you just out everyone immediately. Well, not everyone. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot you keep to yourself, but I like oh, yes. <laughs> you. Just don't, you don't um, shy away from calling people out when they need to. No, because I think that the internet and like me and you come from the age of myspace like yes we were lucky we were lucky that like we got to make our mistakes pre-screenshotting era do you know what i mean yeah i'm sure i did plenty of shit when i was 15 that if it got posted now my god i'd be cancelled in four seconds <laughs> yeah everyone would because, because you live and you learn so what i do now is when when someone behaves publicly like i'm very like anti-racist i always have been and that's been one of the main obviously in the last few months so it's like yeah. i'm constantly ca calling people out i'm like that's not acceptable and, and i'm like and this is why you know I, i'm a very socially conscious person i always have been and that's why it leads into my job as well like i care about people and i care about you know people enjoying their bodies and it, it like i i'm happiest in my work like people seem to think i love the vulgar side of it which is obviously fun but my honest is when you meet someone, especially someone so marginalised or someone who is like, you know, from a certain race or a background and then they're freely openly discussing with you about what they love about sex. I love that. that, that that's what get, that's why I do my job. Like there's the fun side, there's the provocative side and there's the emotional side. And I always lean towards that. So when, when someone speaks out against a group of people or like says something ignorant, I can't help it. Like the South London just like bleh. <laughs> It does. It's like verbal diarrhea. It just comes out like I can't stop it. That ties into the stuff I've read up about you in terms of being fierce and protecting people. But we'll, we'll come on to that. I wanted to yes. mention about how you said we're both from the era of MySpace. And that's actually how I first found out who you were. And it was because of the infamous milk picture where you're guzzling a carton of milk next to your fridge, yeah. pouring lusciously over your body. And I love <laughs> um, you recently did a reenactment of it years later is it like 10 15 15 because i did it for my 30th birthday so yeah, yeah like th that picture changed my life you know it did i know it sounds ridiculous but it did it absolutely like people like i was already popular on that website for whatever reason i don't know why i'm not particularly mm. interested and i certainly wasn't the best looking one on there i think i was just the mouthiest and then you know i took that picture and it just like catapulted me and like people were treating me like i was famous but i didn't like it no 
no, I, did, I was nasty to people. And I, like I think back to the way, like I was saying about screenshots, because I didn't yeah. like that people, people were kissing my ass for no reason. And like, I've spoke about this on another podcast I did with a guy called Keith. And when you grow up bullied, and then suddenly those people kicking your ass, kissing your ass, sorry, you almost get angry at them. Because it's like, well, where were you? Where like, were you before? When, yeah. Yeah, like, where were my friends? Like, where was my support system when I was, you know, alone in school? Or, you know, I didn't have an understanding of my sexuality. Like, where were you then? So I was quite vile to people, to be honest. That's fine. I have retraced my steps and actually apologised to all the people. For my, I, did, I did that because I felt like I had to. Because I didn't, again, the socially conscious thing. I didn't want to go through life with, you know, if my profile was raising for whatever reason. Like, fingers crossed it does, but it might not. I don't want people to go, oh, he was awful to me. You know, he's a can, he's a bully. And I was done, like, right, what I did was I just, you know, I went back as I listened. I know you probably haven't even thought about this, but I want to apologise for treating you this way. But it's good that you've got that emotional awareness. I think anything from the impression I get of you, obviously I didn't meet you back then, but I knew who you were and now I follow you and stuff. And you're always, you always seem to be erring on the side of what's good and what's right. So I don't think you have to worry about being cancelled. Unless, like you said, it's deep into their memory. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't, I, my mind, like, thankfully, my mind doesn't work that way. Like, I don't, I'm not like a horrible person, if that makes sense. Yeah. If, if anything, I have to remind myself to be harsher in certain situations because I'm, I'm mouthy and sassy, but I'm also very aware of, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't, I don't get a buzz out of that. Like, some sick people do. Like, if someone tells me I've upset them, that it bothers me it, sit, it sits on me like and I, i'm like god i have to fix it i have to fix it i guess that's because you've been there yourself because when i was listening to was it the shades of gay podcast that you're referring to the one you yes said? yeah so that's the one i listened to that and that was when i was like i have to know this guy i'd always oh, i always you. kind of had a feeling we'd get on but you, a lot of what you said resonated with me um and one of the reasons i wanted you on this podcast was because it is there's clear it's clear that there's been such a change in you now to where you were back then when you were a child and growing up and how you've kind of stepped into your own power in the cheesy yeah. way. In particular, I wanted to talk about a change that occurred perhaps when you were 27 and, or if there was one. So we looked up your Saturn, you're a Gemini like me and your yeah. Saturn is in Capricorn and in the third house, which means that your Saturn return was in December 2018 until January 2019, which is a really short one. It was only a month. Mm -hmm. So do you remember what you Typical. were doing back then or if anything was going on? Do you on? know what? Obviously, like me and you had the little pre-brief. Like, I learned about these, this date a few days ago and I was like, what happened? What happened? And then suddenly something clicked and I was like, oh my God. So basically in my life, I've never like, I've, I've been in relationships, but I kind of keep it very discreet. I don't post about guys that I see. Mm -hmm. I post provocative stuff like to play into my work character, but that's not, I can't be asked to be doing that all the time. I met someone in January 2019 who was, I actually wrote about him, who was supposed to just be sex, you know, and I ended up, and he did too, developing feelings for each other in a way. I don't know if he did it in the same capacity as me, but I met him in January 2019. And I was like, God, that's weird that you've picked that. I mean, it sounds like there's people who go to like psychics and they give them <laughs> too much information. Yeah. But I was like, no, because that was obviously really, and like, I don't get feelings for people often. Like, I'm not that person. I'm not like that, that soft, really, if that makes sense. I have really high standards and I have high expectations of if I'm going to spend my life with someone, which may or may not happen, like, they have to be special. 
mm-hmm. and they have to be they have to really wake up something in you and I just met this person I won't say his name because he's not out of the closet and like I just literally from the minute I met him like boom my life just I liked him really I loved it I loved it when he was around like he'd call me on my phone at work and I would get so excited I would almost like drop my phone because I would run out of the office so I could hear him properly and my colleagues had never really seen me like that and he probably just saw me as like a a bit of of something to shag but on my side I absolutely loved it and it was weird that you just mentioned it because that's the only thing really that happened and it was such a big deal and it's something like he's still in my mind often of course like sometimes in life you just meet people and it's hard to explain like everything about him like he was just you know I like someone who is tough and he was very strong he came from like a what lower working class background you know he'd gone into gangs you know, he'd got himself in a lot of trouble and spent a long time in prison. Um, and that, I'm not saying that like, I like a bad boy, but what I liked from it is that he'd done his time. You know, he'd learned from his mistakes. You know, he'd built a life to make himself a better person. You know, he was just strong, confident, charismatic. You know, he had life experience. And like, I don't seek approval from many people. I don't know if you picked that up. <laughs> but, <laughs> I really don't. But something about him, I wanted his approval and I can't explain it like I he's one of the only people that I would turn to and be like what do you think of this should I post it or should I like is this can you read this through for me or something like that which we never really got to because it never went on for that long but yeah it's, he was just like strong and, and special saying it's just special that's the word I would use for me like would you say that um anything about that experience changed you or you dealt with it in a way you wouldn't have in the past yeah, it absolutely changed me because it, it it caught me off off guard completely. I was not expecting that at that time in my life at all. And I was just about to go to Mexico for a long holiday for my friend's wedding. And I don't know what it was. Like, I, if, and I, I feel like a psychopath even talking about it. Like he's probably going to hear this back. And <laughs> Sorry, stop me from asking too many questions. No, no, it's fine. I'm trying mean, to get it, to the root of like what, yeah, what changed. my life. It's just... A, it like it just made me really aware of myself as a like it opened up the romantic side right where, okay. you know yeah sex sex is obviously a big part of my life and I love it and like I have really great safe consensual you know relationships with guys on that we have and they're all in the bloody closet so it makes it more exciting yeah. <laughs> but but it was interesting to really have that romantic side of me woken up and and Oh, I don't know, I feel like I, I hope he doesn't think I'm some bunny boiler, but it was just the way it was. Like something about him, he caught me right at the right moment in my life where I was like, ah, oh. like if you asked me to settle down, I probably would. That doesn't happen to me often. <laughs> I've, had, I've had an experience similar to that, like where something was just sex and then the person turned out to be like, I didn't even ask. I don't think I asked one question about her personal life, like the whole time I was with her, because I was convinced that she was dangerous. Like, and I know she was. I'm sure she was like class A drug dealer, like high up, possibly mm. even mafia. And, like she'd come around and pick up things. Sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she'd put gloves on. If she like dropped a hair on my bed, she'd put gloves on to move it. And I was like, oh my God, like someone after you. Yeah. And oh my God. But was so like affectionate and caring and it just didn't go together. And that really drew me in. No, you've posted like a lot about the kind of like, hood people you're into and like with shaved eyebrows and like that kind of, it is, ba- it is a bad boy, bad girl for me. Aesthetic, isn't it? I think with, I mean, with me, like I'm from Eltham in South East London. I'd say that all the time, but it had such a big impact on me as a character because I was this flamboyant feminine gay boy 
surrounded by like and like my cousin had a really bad reputation like he died a few years ago because he was behaving badly unfortunately I was surrounded when I was younger like my dad like there's people who are like oh my dad knew the craze and all that lot like my dad literally as a kid used to without not knowingly like run errands for the same warehousing people as the craze so I come from a background where bad boys are kind of the men you know yeah that, that's your man that's the ideal yeah. man like a, a, a tough guy someone who'll sort someone out for you like and I'm a really big character like I'm a strong I know that and I, I've, I've tried to dim it over the years but there's no point because it just like I said it just spills out so the, I like men that are strong I like and I have to, it's probably something to do with like internalized homophobia I love strong masculine really boisterous people who then because it's all it's all the more rewarding when you get the affectionate yeah. side isn't that's the same as you like so when I get these guys and like regardless of like race whatever it's just like if someone's really a little bit rough around the edges I love it mm-hmm. going after unattainable women because when you got them it was like an extra reward yes yeah. the story of my life I mean I'm, I'm like a psych- psychotherapist dream when it comes to men because, <laughs> I mean even like like I can join a dating app I can go to a club I can be on Facebook Instagram Twitter like my DMs are always closeted men wanting to like hang out, have sex, take me on a date. And it's like, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably just because the open sexuality, I think it draws them in because I'm like the polar opposite. But it's like, it's a theme in my life since I was like 15 that all the men that I would be with, through choice or not, like were publicly straight, but in the bedroom, obviously different. Says you have tremendous potential for success and are very ambitious. The problem is your brooding and your worries get in the way. You torment yourself. Am I on the right path? Am I on the wrong path? Am I too tough or not tough enough? These sound like normal Capricorn worries, but they're magnified when Saturn is in this sign. Despite your self-doubt, you climb the mountain of success, mountain after mountain, goal after goal. Achievement is your middle name. You have moments when you feel weak and afraid, and this can make you controlling rather than in control. Big difference. You may excel in your profession, but fear the mountain of relationship, love, family, self-development. There are all kinds of ways not to climb. You need less fret and more stiff upper lip, less in touch with your every mood and more get the job done. You need to learn to keep your cool and find your place in home in the world of work. To fulfill the nature of making a living, you must persist because Saturn will try to scare you away from the task. You don't want to be the boss, but must learn to be in charge without worrying what others think. Being the boss is not the same as being bossy. You will learn to stay strong when things go wrong. Do you know what? When I read, when I read that, I felt really like, oh, fuck, like my, my cover's blown. <laughs> like, <laughs> because it's true. And I mean, again, I'm not sure if it's just because you want to believe it, but I read it and I was like, that's so true because it, I do feel like when I read it, I felt a bit dissected. Like that's my vulnerable. I don't like to show that too much. Like I do doubt myself. I do doubt my intelligence massively. That that's been a theme in my whole life. I'll, I'll always think I'm dumb, and I'm having to like research what I say before I say it sometimes because I, I don't have. I would love to be that person who can just articulate themselves flawlessly. One of the things I was going to say is how articulate how articulate you are. There's me. I can't even say articulate. Thank you. Thank you. That's sweet. I mean, but that's like for me, that's such a compliment because. You know, with me, people are always like, it's always the superficial stuff. People never go like, I mean, they, they do more so now, but when people always talk about your looks or your outfits or your sexuality, sometimes it's nice to feel like, well, I've got a brain, but I've, I've always felt a bit insecure about my intelligence because I did really badly at school and like really badly. And I, But then it took me a long time to realise that a lot of that to do was to do with social anxiety and fear and not wanting to draw attention to myself. And then, you know, I'm new, I found out I'm numerically dyslexic 
I can't do numbers. Like it is so embarrassing. Like I can't do multiplications. It would take me five times as long as anyone else. So yeah, I, I doubt my intelligence. And then that leads into obviously life because there are so many decisions as you get older, you know, like finances, you know, contracts, you know, navigating, like, for example, even the most recent, like the Black Lives Matter movement, wanting to make sure the information that I was processing was processed properly. Yeah. You know, because I want to get to the core of the issue and I want to do what I can do to help if I can. And I was finding myself doubting myself before arguing with racists or, you know, kind of not necessarily calling everyone a racist, but when people being ignorant on things like Facebook and like kind of doubting my my ability to really articulate myself clearly so I was like googling before talking I think you're quite a raconteur as well like whenever you tell a story from what I've seen just from following you on social media you could tell a story about popping to the shops and it's just really engaging so I think oh, thank maybe you. for the fact that you feel like you're numerically challenged you've like done more than enough to be emotionally you're very emotionally intelligent is what I get from you and socially intelligent which is obviously ties into your work because you have to be my my one of my managing directors, Monique, she always says that I've got like probably one of the strongest. She calls it a social conscience. Yeah, I can see that. And it's true. And I, but I've always been like that since I was a kid. I think, and it comes from my strong. I'm so lucky. Like I, I'm one of those rare people that can say I have great parents who really support me. And that's not always been an easy ride. Like my childhood was strict, very strict. You did not fuck around in my house. You did not lie to my dad. And you, if you did, you're in serious trouble. And then when I turned 15, 16, it all just like, they, they let it go. And like, my parents are both six foot. You don't want to get clumped by them. It hurts. But Wow, your mum's six foot as well. Yeah, yeah. We're all tall in my house. They're like mooses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that that, I have, I have that. I'm blessed and I'm so lucky. And I do appreciate it. I'm, I have that grounding that I, I you know, that, that I went into life, like probably more prepared than most, even though I was, like gay and you know I don't know if I would call myself gay because I have some women but it's a constant thing but I had that that grounding that so many people aren't lucky enough to have I think when they saw me start to really get because I, I got a personality of like just like some kids they developed like I got a very strong sense of myself quite young a lot of it was off the back of my space because I was like oh actually people do seem to actually have an interest <laughs> in me because like I said in the Shades of Gay podcast, and I, I mean this, and this is the strongest feeling I felt through my youth was I felt inconvenient. I felt like I was annoying people and they were obligated to hang around with me because our mums were friends or, you know, I didn't feel like I had my people. I loved them and my God, I loved them in my whole heart, but I felt like they were just doing it to be nice. But you said that there were a group of girls that got you through that time. Yeah, like Laura, Katrina, Kerry and Kirsten. Like they changed my life. Like I would have, I mean, I shouldn't say things like this. I don't want to trigger anyone. I probably would have either tried to or successfully killed mm. myself because I was so lonely. Like I, I've loneliness and inconvenience is like how I describe it. I just felt like useless. And, and then when you suddenly see the other side of the world, like a world that perhaps finds you exciting rather than your friends. And like, again, like when you're from like where I come from, you like the street kids, you like the rough ends, you like the, you know, the, dare I say, chavs, because they're the cool ones. Mm -hmm. And I was never that. I was never going to be that, was I? So it was, I was getting centred and I was being appreciated. And I was like, okay, it kind of reaffirmed something that I kind of knew already in my core, but I wasn't really confident enough to go with because of 
like that wouldn't work now <laughs> but it did work in Soho Square so. <laughs> would you say that because of the experiences you went through that's what gave you a tough outer shell because from what I've read from that passage just then and it says like you're you're obviously really successful in your career and you don't seem to doubt yourself in your career but you might fear like the mountain of love or the mountain of self-development or friends or family and do you think that that relationship with that guy opening up your softer side is what threw you and maybe do you think being softer is what you have to work on or opening up more? I found and this is oh my god it's so weird when you're saying this to me you're like making me remind things my career changed really suddenly when I allowed myself to be vulnerable. Okay, that's interesting. I, I stopped acting like this bulletproof, strong, you know, person dressing up in crazy outfits. And I started to let the flaws come out. And I'd, I'd held on to that for years, like this like, personality, even though I'm not like a social media influencer at all, but I have this personality that I benefited from by withholding. And it's almost like a, an armour. And then I was just like, I'm just tired now. Like, I, wanna, I don't want to be perfect. I really don't. I don't want to be flawless. And sometimes when I get these young men emailing me and they're like, I look up to you. And I'm like, oh my God, you need to look elsewhere, babe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I appreciate it. But it's a, like, oh God, like me, really? I think that obviously like meeting that guy in January 2019, it did like highlight that again, that like once you do show those vulnerable, more like nurturing, soft, warm, like you do you feel the benefits of it so I've been really like I've really celebrated it since and that's the truth I have I like people <laughs> I like kindness like I like that I, I don't get off on drama and negativity it does nothing for me it makes me feel uncomfortable and I want to fix it and I'm sure you've had enough it. of it to last you a lifetime <laughs> oh, yeah I, I literally I can't I can't open a door without pissing someone off nowadays it's like <laughs> yeah you can't actually build a connect a proper connection with anyone without letting them in and even even in terms of the personality you said you have for your fans or your followers I'm doing inverted commas if you don't like that language I'm using but you know what I mean um yeah it's always the the celebrities who are honest and self-deprecating that everyone loves so it does actually you don't really get very far by being this cold aloof I'm not saying that you ever were but in terms of extremes oh I was (laughs) I was vile I I look, I think back to the way that I treated people and I'm so disappointed in myself because that's not the person my parents raised mm. and that's not me. That was performative bollocks and what a waste of time. And I, I hope I really didn't, like I think back to my space, et cetera. And when I did start to really, like a lot of my friends were very aggressive and I am quite easily led. And that's another thing I don't like admitting. That's a vulnerability right there. I'm easily led. Say for example, my friends are really going for someone, I will jump in and say something really sassy and rude. Not because I think it, but because I like to get a reaction. I like to make people laugh. Like, and then I think back to some of the things I've said and I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> some things I, I don't deserve to be forgiven for because some things are really fucking vile and all I can do is learn from it, you know. Like I think I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, especially at the minute when everyone's like obviously talking about anti-racism and like a lot of things like there's anti-Semitism, like there's so much in the air right now about the correct ways to behave. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm perfect. One thing I've really learned in this whole COVID-19 lockdown is just listen to people as white people, especially like we will instinctively and naturally center ourselves because that's how we're raised. Movies, film, like it's always about us. And it's hard. And like I posted something on Instagram earlier and I almost didn't want to post it because I was like, 
there is no way I grew up where I grew up, Elton, which is notoriously racist. And like, I mean, it does have a Labour MP, but I'm being honest with you, I grew up with racists. I did. I like EDL all the lot from Elton. There's no way that I don't have a learned behaviours in me or microaggressions I'm not even aware of. And when people are like, I'm not this, I'm like, you can't say that because you just don't know. So what you need to do is just listen and just say, okay, I fucked up. I don't feel that way, but I have been trained to behave or react or expect or, you know, the, that word we all love at the minute, privilege. Like, it's so true. Like, be aware of it, you know. And all you can do is that when you do behave in a way or do something that hurts someone or makes them feel less than own it rather than getting like I'm like cool I'm wrong I'm so sorry like I will do better etc yeah. and I mean it because if I didn't my mum would punch me in the face <laughs> your mom, she's your biggest cheerleader but back to that mini duck the comments that when some, some, didn't someone mm. something stupid like oh you're the poor mother that birthed you and your mum wrote back to them and was like actually very proud of him I'm lucky again I'm lucky like how lucky am I to have that yeah really like and this is the thing I'm aware of it I, I'm not I'm not in like dreamland I know that I'm lucky to have the like my parents I'm I won the parent lottery I know oh, that bless you that's so lovely but I don't know, the thing is, I'm I'm just glad that I'm aware of it. Like, it's not, the joke isn't lost on me. Like, I laugh, like, do you mean, like, my parents are hilarious. But, so lots of these comments, as you, I don't know if you saw, like, I was sharing them to out people. Oh, yeah, and I was, I honest, vile, like, I mean, this, this isn't people just saying, ugh, I don't like him. It's people saying, I should be shot. I should kill myself. They're going to kill me. I'm a faggot. Yeah, I've got AIDS. Vile, like, mm. tearing me to shreds. And do you know um, Rebecca Moore? Yeah. Moore Milf? So she's become a friend of mine because we did the podcast together. And like, obviously I support our sex workers. I always have. I love the girls. I love working girls. I always have. There's like a, we have like a bond. It's just like, it's like a maternal thing almost. But when it first got released, Channel 4 released it on the Thursday night. And it got, and I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. And I hadn't seen the edited film. So I didn't know, first of all, what was going out. And I had no idea how it was going to be received. I didn't know if people were going to like me. And when it got released, and again, I'm going to be vulnerable here, which I'm not comfortable doing, but I'm just going to do it because of the nature of our chat. I promised myself I'd do it. I was really upset on the first. Like, it really, I had, the only way I can describe it is I had, like, pins and needles in my cheeks and comment after comment after comment after comment of people telling me how disgusting I am. Like, I'm vile. People hate me. And I'm like, wow, people hate me because I enjoy sex. This is mad. And then it got deleted because it was seen as 18 plus because the person at the channel four had uploaded it without the, the verification thing ticked. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be reposted again on the, on the Saturday. So knowing that was going to happen, knowing what was coming this time. So I was prepared. Um, I text Rebecca, who's obviously like a public figure, you know, she gets, she gets abuse. She gets love, adoration, like hate all day, every day. And I was like, can you do like, can you just like give me some advice, please? Because I need to like be ready for this. And we had this phone conversation. We spoke on the phone for an hour and she is like the nicest woman. Like she's such a kind soul. And she was just like, you need to remember you're going into mainstream. You've been used to the queer underground press for years. You've been used to being with your people who understand you. These people don't. And she took, and then suddenly I'm not saying this to make myself seem strong again. Something just clicked. So when it came out and the hateful comments came in, I was like in on the joke, if that made sense. Yeah. 
she made me remember that really important thing which was this isn't your audience anymore this is a mainstream and i'm not really like people don't like gay guys who are unapologetically sexual they like you when you go shopping with them they like you when you're the shoulder to cry on they like you when you're styling them you know or, or things you're meant to do and and then there's me being like no actually i love sex i don't care if you like it or not yeah you're right like it's your kind of first dip into the mainstream audience it sucks that there yeah. always has to be a beginning but there's so much people are opening their eyes up to at the moment again it's like you're you're probably opening a lot of people's eyes no matter what well we've seen it in the in the evidence of the comp of the the messages you've been getting privately while you're getting abuse <laughs> you're yeah. probably actually hitting a nerve with a lot of these people who are commenting things and i'm glad you were vulnerable yeah. about that because no doubt they're probably all secretly bum licking you and will listen to this and know that they've yeah. upset you in some way and it's kind of yeah and that's thing i felt i feel like even when you saying that like I hated to admit that it did upset me, but on the first round it did. And it didn't just upset me a little bit. It had a physical reaction. I was on webcam because it was my friend's birthday and we were doing like a house party thing. And I, I felt like I'd swallowed a towel. That's the only way I can describe the sensation. I had this lump in my chest that felt like I'd fat. And I just felt sick. And I was like, God, people fucking hate me. And it was just such a shock to the system. But then talking to Rebecca, I was like, wait, she's right. You, you're being very provocative to these, but to me, that's not even surface level, like rude. I mean, you, I mean, you know, my industry, you know, the, the, my friends, my colleagues, et cetera, like I can be hardcore. Like I can be a right old slapper. Like I talk very openly about wanting to suck on men's ball bags and like how much I miss like dick. And like, you know, I love sex and I celebrate sex. and I love my body and like, and I'm like, God, then they've only seen that and they hate me. And then I was kind of like, it's actually, this is a good thing because I'm getting a reaction. Definitely. And I was like, right, think of it. Like when talking to Rebecca, I was like, right, she's right. This is actually a good thing because there's a reason people are thick and play because they've seen the preview of you. There's a reason people are watching it because I don't watch things through that I'm not interested in. Yeah. Do you? Like, does anyone? No. You wouldn't sit and commit four minutes and 15 and seconds. I certainly wouldn't comment. <laughs> no. So I was like, actually, like, and I think people don't realise how transparent they're being by being so, targeting me so harshly. Yeah, it's rather transparent, wouldn't you say? <laughs> 100%. But thank God for people like Rebecca. Like, if, if it wasn't for her being vulnerable, you wouldn't maybe know that she was the person to go for, to for advice. So it's a chain. Isn't exactly. It? And just, I'm so grateful for people like that. Again, another female sex worker who's got my back. It's always the girls, you know, always. I love girls. Aw, me included. I love, no, I do, I love you too. And um, when I saw the pictures of you at the Crazy Bear, I was like, oh my God, you're like a knockout. <laughs> Thanks, no, babe. No, you're such a babe. <laughs> that whole, everything was fabulous. The bedroom, the bath, the out, like just, go I just, that's another thing. I'm ha I feel happy for people. And I was like, I'm just so happy for you because that just looks great. And it's great. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That just ties into the next line of your gift. So it says your gift is your nurturing na nature, but you nurture yeah. the teeth. You love like a fierce protective mama or papa bear, pushing away any and all who would threaten you and your keep. 
You defend and protect not only your family, but also any vulnerable soul you meet. You are akin to a soldier or a sailor, excelling at standing watch, guarding people and possessions and plans from day until night and back again. Your arms, no, your entire body and soul, were made for keeping us safe. Generous in giving, when you love, you love 100% and don't hold back. Your supportive and comforting disposition is a blanket of peace for your close confidants. Your friends become family. In you, they feel safe and at home. That sounds just like you from everything you said. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I'm fiercely protective of people, and like when some like what, I don't see my friends as my friends. I see them as my siblings. Like, mm-hmm. and if you fuck with someone close to me, I don't care. Like I go like, and it's something I actually need to get handled on really because sometimes I find myself posting things in response. I'm like, God, that's stop. Like that's really too far. Actually, you said a day ago you got banned from Twitter for calling someone out for being vile to your mate. Yeah, it was, you know what, it's one of the most hideous exchanges. I, and it was the context of it, which was so disgusting. So I'm, again, I'm not going to tell anyone else's story, but my yeah. someone I've, I've got close to during lockdown, you know, their daughter took her own life. Now, I'm not gonna, that's not my story to tell. Yeah. So my friend was in and out of court for various reasons relating to this. And someone made a flippant remark about her being in and out of court. And I was just like, how fucking dare you? That is so low. Like, that is so despicable to be so flippant about that. And I was like, fuck you. Like, the gloves are off now. I'm going to fucking, like, knock your teeth, knock your side of the teeth in. Like, like I was so disgusted by that. Like, I, we, I, I live with Bonita, like, my sister, my best friend. And she was so pissed off about it that she actually rejoined Twitter just to, just to, like, jump in because it was so so despicable like, and I think but that's the way I am like I can't help it it's it's like it's like something comes over me and I can't focus on anything else until I, like I'm a justice warrior and I, I say that without apologies like I always have been I don't like mindlessness like it, it it costs nothing to help people feel good in life and we're going through such a shit time at the minute all of us some of us more than others like that to to be vile at the minute, like you gotta be, you gotta be some sad, lonely piece of s. Like, but yeah, I, I'm, when I, when I do love is 100 percent as we've learned back in. I don't know if I was in love with him, but I was definitely on that road. That was the destination. I don't know if the train got there, <laughs> yeah. and I, I felt it. I think that he felt it too because we had like quite intimate discussions about stuff. In terms of loving unconditionally or um loving 100% I wanted to talk about the fact that you really want a daughter and the reason I want to talk about that is because you're the only person that I've ever met who's adamantly wants a kid of the other sex I desperately want a son I've said it since I was a kid I need a son (laughs) why is that why are you so why do you want a a little girl so much I don't know I I do know I love women I love girls like I I just love women I, I would love to have someone to you know like I've taken so many bullets, like proverbially in my life, that to be able to give that armor to someone and set them up for life, I know that I could, everyone says this, like I say so confidently, but I'm quite confident that I would, I just, like I said, I've got a lot of love to give and I would love to have a child and I'd love to have that responsibility and I'd love to, you know, my life has always been quite reckless and in many ways childish, like even my industry, like it's all tongue in cheek and silly. Like I've been, I would love to, knuckle down like with someone ideally but i mean we don't know what's gonna happen and just have a little girl and like walk her through life and toughen her up and 
you know, but also make up a help, or not make up on the wall, that sounds really controlling, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but like help help I develop. Really get what you mean? Yeah, develop the vulnerable yeah. side so that she knows how. Yeah, to... yeah. And my mum won't shut up about grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> With us, the reason I want a son, I was trying to analyse why I'm so adamant about it, but I think it's because yeah. I because I'm gay. Like I only love women, and I don't know what I don't have any brother. Well, I have a stepbrother, but I didn't grow up with him. So I think yeah. the way that. I can feel that love for a, a little boy is if I have one that's mine. It's like really new to me, and I'm just determined that i have one this is the thing i think that people go like oh don't be too silly but it's like no trust your gut trust your instincts you obviously a part of you wants that for whatever reason it might happen it might not i'm choosing to say it will yeah so so go with it like whatever yeah like i mean it's going to be expensive and i'm going to have to figure out the science and the logistics of it all (laughs) but the good thing um, is that at least we can't get um we can't it can't happen without us choosing it to happen exactly (laughs) that's the thing it's it's not well, if it, trust me, if anyone can get pregnant, it's me, and that hasn't happened. <laughs> if, it, if any man in this world was likely to, it would absolutely be me. <laughs> Your challenge is to take charge and be the boss without being bossy and dictatorial. You're great at feeding us and loving us, but you lose your footing when it's time to put your foot down. You don't trust your power, so you push too hard. You don't trust what you believe is true, so you will over-discipline or not discipline enough. Sometimes you simply give too much. Some may even say you're not tough enough and that you give until you're empty and sore and have nothing left. You have days, months, years where you spend your energy and your money without thinking. Learn to save and wait. Life is not a sprint but a marathon and often you expect results too soon. Life takes time and your goals and ambitions also do so be patient. They need time to simmer. You will value the results far more if they don't arrive immediately. Capricorn knows and respects this, but Saturn in Capricorn will learn it. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. Again, hundred percent. I'm terrible with money. Yeah, I can, I can, I've definitely seen myself go from like zero to Miranda Priestley, like boom. (laughs) I can be like, I can be really harsh, and I don't mean to. It's just because my colleagues say that I take on everything myself, and then I don't shout for help, and then I snap, and I, I turn into like a monster, which is true. I can, I can say that. I've I can I've been myself be vile at work and then had to like you know take a breath <laughs> and it's because I don't ask for help. I've got that problem too. That might be a Gemini thing. Too much pride yeah. of thinking you can do everything yourself. It's like actually no. Yeah. Do you think that you um, have learned to be patient in terms of your goals and ambitions? Or do you want everything now? Because bearing in mind, oh. this is written as if you haven't had your Saturn return yet, and you have. So this is kind of predicting what would have happened and whether you've changed or learned anything from it. I think that, yeah, definitely. If I think back to that time in my life, oh my God, yeah, so impatient. I was so impatient with like, like Guy, even. Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted answers. I wanted a conclusion. I wanted him to come out because it, I wanted like my job to take off. And then it was only really in the months after that that my career really started to ramp up like I got this I got like my first tv job writing got more like you know offers to write and give my perspective and like you know be a little mouthpiece of various like media outlets in different ways and before that I'd be like I want it now I want it now but I've kind of learned since so that's not the way it works no. like not not even talking spiritually like things don't happen immediately they literally don't happen immediately you know also, have you have you noticed that um, in terms of moving the goalposts, when you get what you think you want now anyway, not as much changes as you expect, or you realise you can actually just be happy enjoying the journey rather than wanting everything now because it's not always cracked up to be? 
yeah, exactly. I, I enjoy the process. I do like I enjoy the anticipation. I enjoy the work. I enjoy like obviously learning because, like I said, I doubt my intelligence. So it's nice to feel like I'm, you know, getting information and like growing, like, becoming more intelligent. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that if I, if I was to compare myself now to then, absolutely different person in terms of my expectations. And a lot of that was to do with work, a lot of that was to do with the situation with him, a lot of it was to do with the fact that, like, you know, I've got a lot more public because of some of the work that I've done. Yeah. So I've, I've, I think um, I've just kind of learned, learned about the, this side of things and, like, really to, like, manage my expectations better. But it says your, your ambition, you long to be the boss, but you are the boss and you long to get the job done, but is it the right one? Now, I think it's fair to say that you're definitely in the right career path. You seem to thrive there. Uh, would you it. agree? Yeah. And was there ever a time where you thought you perhaps shouldn't be doing what you're doing or you should be doing something else? I think that I doubt myself because there are lots of sex educators out there and they all have like 150,000 followers. They've got all these things, but um, so I... I I find myself perhaps comparing myself and thinking, oh, I'm not on the same path, but then I think what I'm doing is mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, I've got to keep reminding myself that this is not about anyone else. This is about how I communicate about sex and sexuality and what I recommend from my experiences. And what I, what I do when I talk and when I write, I go back to being the guy behind the tail on the sex shop. I talk to people and I, I try to manage and understand what they want from whatever their dilemma or their excitement is and so it's yeah I, I doubt my um I doubt my success I doubt sometimes I get imposter imposter syndrome massively especially with the podcast really like why yeah like why people listen to that it doesn't make sense to me and like when people dm me saying I love it I'm like what is that because it's the the thing that's completely yours so you feel yeah. vul- again vulnerable with it I guess you hit the nail on the head because it's it's like the training wheels are there's no like big adult retailer or tv channel or you know brand with it it's just me and it's me confidently saying this is my topic and i can help you yeah and i I know that i can but you still kind of think why are you listening to this old slapper from elton absolutely can i've listened to all of it and like i wouldn't I wouldn't, it's, it's not something, to be honest, you've opened my eyes to the whole sex industry because like you said, oh, there's some people who have 150,000 followers, but I wouldn't know any of them if it wasn't for you. So you build your own audience. Like in, you, you're quite a social person. So you meet people in other uh, groups, not necessarily through that. And then you kind of bring them in. So that's what you yeah. want. You have like that, that empathy kind of vibe going with it but um Thank you. I, yeah i remember when the day it came out and i was in soho and i was like i walked past clone zone and you had that big rolling um video mirror, yeah. Yeah, uh, in the window and i took a photo of it and i sent it to you and i was like oh amazing i love that picture but my colleague did that as a surprise to me actually so really? i didn't know that was gonna yeah i don't know that's gonna happen so that was really sweet but it's like it's i'm i'm, I'm always just like an amalgamation of self-doubt but then pure blind ambition and self-assurance and I guess that's perhaps the Gemini thing if they're talking I'm a split you know and then sometimes I get caught in the middle and that's when I start to doubt myself and I start to think oh would anyone even really care if I stopped doing it like would you know is anyone like I don't know but then also I'm like 
you must do it because I know that I can articulate myself in a way that there are certain people out there who will listen to me and understand because the way I talk, like I said, it's the emotional intelligence thing. I know how to communicate vulgar, embarrassing sexual topics. I know how to do it. It's just my, that's my talent, that and giving blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> also, you love it. It's the balance, like being overly confident and then not confident at all. And you have to kind of strike the middle ground. Absolutely. And it's like trying to keep myself in the middle ground because it's very easy to spiral. You well, know, it says here at the end that you long for a life of honour and you have one. So take comfort. <laughs> <laughs> I have some, I have some like, corsets from a company called honor <laughs> well, that, that's some fish. <laughs> you're gonna have a wardrobe full of honor closet uh, the miss slapper costumes yeah. as usual yeah. <laughs> uh, to wrap things up two questions mm. i wanted to ask number one what major thing did you learn from your set and return Just to be vulnerable to be vulnerable and what would you tell your younger self who was struggling through a court life crisis it's not going to be easy, you know. Yeah. It's not. It's like it's going to be hard. And like it's going to like. It's because of what I went through. I'm just saying, like you're going to go through those that emotional trauma. I guess if I call it trauma, but it's just not going to be. It's not going to make you 100 percent happy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no sugar coating with that answer. No, no, definitely not. I, I mean, what's the point? I mean, I just want to be. I want to be completely honest because then hopefully I can like move on with my life. Oh, like thank that. you so much for chatting to me and for your honesty and vulnerability. No, thank you. I appreciate this. It's been a nice chat. I feel like I can cancel my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else said that like the first time I interviewed someone. <laughs> I don't actually have a therapist. Big thank you to Topher Taylor for coming on the show and providing an excellent first interview for the new series. You can follow Topher on Instagram at Topher Taylor and Twitter at I am Topher Taylor. Also be sure to check out his podcast Sex with Topher for all things sex. More thank yous to Eliza Einhorn for writing The Little Book of Saturn, Phil Donnelly for the jingle and Ara for the artwork. Don't forget to share and subscribe if you enjoyed and you can listen out for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts by searching Thank You Saturn. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 